0: What was interesting about the research was they found the impact of completing a gratitude diary could be measured after just three weeks. The kids had found themselves experiencing greater life satisfaction. around the world, so you'll get to hear the latest evidence-based strategies before anyone else. This is the School Behaviour Secrets Podcast. Welcome to Episode 9 of School Behaviour Secrets. In this episode, we're going to look at whether gratitude diaries can really help our children improve their resilience and ask, is all the hype on the internet about them warranted? Is it backed by evidence? Welcome to my co-host, Emma. Hi there. So let's get the ball off rolling in the right way. Can you tell me three things you're thankful for today?
1: Good question. Oh, wow. I am thankful for my family and my dog on pretty equal terms, I must say. I'm thankful that I am healthy and well, and I'm thankful that I've got a great support network of friends around me
0: according to the internet that kind of daily practice of naming three things that you're grateful for is the secret to having a positive outlook on life and developing resilience and grit and keeping a gratitude journal or a gratitude diary as they're sometimes called is touted as a simple practical way we can all use every day to achieve that sense of resilience and grit
1: but is it really does it really work
0: so let's rub the back of this shaggy dog We call behaviour and find out.
1: Okay, so the first thing to think about then is what is a gratitude diary? What does it mean? Well, the principle of a gratitude diary is that participants decide that they are going to record three things every day that they were grateful for during that day. It can be something big or something small. It doesn't need to be written down, so it doesn't need to be an arduous task. And ideally, it would be something specific, not a general thing. So you might be thankful for your job, but rather than saying today I'm thankful for my job, it would be pulling out a specific element of your job or a specific interaction that has happened that day. So really focusing in, on something really clear and specific.
0: People that support gratitude journals also say it's better to focus on small things rather than big things, because people, if they're trying to find three big things they're thankful for every day, they find it really hard to do. And apparently, and we'll look at the effects in the moment, the impact of being thankful for three small things can be as powerful as three big things.
1: And I guess in some circumstances, it might be really, really hard on some days for some people to find three big things. Not setting yourself up to fail by having to look for really big things is really useful, isn't it? You're just going to choose something really small. It might be that tasty cup of tea that you've had. It might be a rainbow that you've seen in the sky or a bird singing on your way to work. But looking for the small things is much more manageable and achievable. And I think people are more likely to keep up that habit if it's something that they can achieve. And this is supposed to lead to positive feelings, which in turn contribute to a feeling of overall well-being.
0: So that's what we mean by gratitude journals or gratitude diaries. Let's also have a quick think about what we mean by resilience. We're going to look at three parts to resilience, really. The first part we're going to look at is our general outlook on life. How optimistic are we? How positive are we about our lives right now and the future? We're going to look at resilience in terms of can we focus on our long-term goals? Can we play the long game or do we experience some short-term pain and then just give up? And we're going to look at resilience in terms of physical and biological levels of stress in the body and our ability to put up with them.
1: So thinking about our general outlook on life then, our positivity, it's interesting to note that humans have something called a negativity bias. And what that means is it's an evolutionary uh, mechanism that served us well as a, a population and as a race. It means that we are naturally inclined to be alert and looking for negatives, things that might be a threat, things that might go wrong, things that might cause us difficulties. If you think about this, In caveman terms, it's much more useful if your brain is wired to quickly anticipate threats than positive experiences. We are naturally inclined to look for negatives. So we really do need to retrain ourselves out of that negative bias. And we have to retrain ourselves to look for the positives. We've got to make a conscious effort to do that. Because most people are not naturally inclined to be that way. So what does the science say about the effect of gratitude on making people feel more positive, Simon?
0: There are lots and lots of studies on this. There was an interesting one in 2003. And what researchers did was they took a group of people and they randomly assigned them to one of three groups. One group was asked to keep a weekly or a daily diary about hassles they experienced. One group was asked to write about neutral events that happened in their lives. And the final group was asked to make a list of things they were grateful for each day. And then they kept a record of their general mood, their ability to cope with difficulties in life, some stuff there. About their health and physical symptoms and their overall outlook on life. What they found was the gratitude group did better than the comparison groups. And the researcher said this suggests that consciously focusing on our blessings may have important emotional and interpersonal benefits. There was another study five years later in 2008, which was conducted on adolescents, and that found the same thing. They looked at 221 teenagers. They were assigned to either a gratitude group or a hassles group or a control condition where nothing really happened to them. What was interesting about that research was they found the impact of completing a gratitude diary could be measured after just three weeks. The kids in the gratitude group found themselves experiencing greater life satisfaction. And there are more studies. There was another one in 2017 that found a link between gratitude journaling and a reduction in depression. So there's lots and lots of research looking at the impact of gratitude diaries. And it does seem to give us a more positive life outlook, it does seem to rewire that negativity bias. I'd just like to take a pause from the podcast for a minute to say that if you're finding this podcast useful, then you'll love what we've got waiting for you in our Inner Circle program. The Inner Circle is your one-stop shop for all things behavior. It's a comprehensive platform filled with videos, resources, and behavior inspiration to get you... Stuck with classroom behaviour. It feels like having a behaviour expert on call 24-7. Our online videos walk you through solutions to common behaviour problems step-by-step. Whether it's the best classroom strategies and tactics, behavioural special needs or practical resources, the Inner Circle has got you covered. And just like Netflix, you can turn an Inner Circle subscription on or off whenever you need to. Get the behaviour answers you've been looking for today With Inner Circle, visit beaconschoolsupport.co.uk and click on the Inner Circle picture near the top of the page for more information. And now, back to the podcast.
1: But there's a problem with this research, isn't there?
0: There is. There is for people like teachers, school leaders, people who work with children. When you look at the evidence, most of it has been conducted on adults. And there are some studies, I've quoted one about the effect on children. But the studies on children do seem to show that the effect is slightly smaller than it is for adults. There was a study in India which found no effect of completing a gratitude journal. And what those researchers said was it might be how we complete our gratitude journals and the way we set our systems up that are as important as whether we complete gratitude journals.
1: Wouldn't one of the benefits be, though, that you're setting up a positive life habit that children could take with them into adulthood? Maybe that's why it's worth doing it with children.
0: Yeah, setting the stage early, getting them used to those routines and and learning that life skill to help them cope and be resilient later in life.
1: Absolutely.
0: So the evidence is good, really, but there isn't a lot of evidence of work with children.
1: So another aspect that we were going to focus on was people's ability to focus on long-term goals. More resilient people tend to focus on the long-term and less resilient people tend to focus on short-term wins. And if they don't achieve those short-term wins, they're likely to give up quickly. So the people who've got the sticking power tend to be the ones who can suffer a little bit of uncomfortableness or difficult feelings now because they know in the long run that they're going to benefit. But those people who are less resilient, come up against a problem or feel a bit uncomfortable or feel some negativity and are more inclined to give up.
0: There's some evidence here to show that social emotions like gratitude do focus us on our long term goals. So gratitude is a social emotion because normally you would express gratitude to someone else for something they have done for you. Now, there is a really interesting study again on adults, which was a version of the Marshmallow test. I don't know if anyone's familiar with that on 75 participants and they were randomly assigned to one of three groups the first group was asked to spend 5 minutes writing about an experience that made them feel grateful the second group were asked to write about something that made them feel happy and the third were just asked to diary their day so we've got two different emotions here we've got gratitude a socially facing emotion and we've got happiness which is something we just experience in ourselves at the end of that experience they were then asked if they would like $54 now or $80 in 30 days. And what happened next was really, really interesting because the people who were neutral tended to take that smaller $54 straight away. They tended to think in the very short term. The people who were asked to write about being happy, which is a positive, optimistic emotion, also took the $54. If you were asked to think about gratitude, you were much more likely to take the $80, which meant you were happy to put up the discomfort of not having the money now in return for a future profit. So it seems that when we experience gratitude, when we think about things we're grateful for, it puts our focus on the long term instead of focusing on short term goals, which is a form of resilience. So what you're saying is then that we're more likely to focus on long term
1: goals. So it's almost as if we can see our future thanking us for the actions that we're taking right now.
0: That's right. We can see future Simon and Emma's waving at us, being thankful for the things that we're doing now.
1: The next aspect that we're going to talk about is the calming effect on our neurobiology of gratitude. Gratitude has been shown to calm down your biological stress system. And if you haven't listened to it yet, do go back to episode two, the fascinating interview with Stuart Shankar, where he talks about the effect of stress on behavior. When you practice gratitude, that lowers down your stress chemicals, which means then that you feel calmer. And you're less hypervigilant and you're less hyper alert because what we do when we slip into that fight or fight stage is we become hypervigilant and we start scanning for more threats. In this situation, then gratitude is used to reduce that stress response, which means that we become less hypervigilant and we stop looking out so much for those threats
0: there was a great experiment that proved this. It's one of the cruelest social science tests in existence. It's called the Tria Social Stress Test. So what they do is they put people in front of a situation that they dread. That's very, very common for people to have a phobia about public speaking. So what they do is they get some volunteers to come in and they give them just a few minutes to prepare a speech, and then they have to go out and deliver this speech to a panel of judges. Now here's the cruel part. They told the judges to be absolutely impassive while they were listening, to give no feedback, not to smile, not to nod, be completely stony-faced. So these poor people had no time to prepare, had to go out and deliver this speech to an audience who gave them absolutely no reaction whatsoever. And the TRIA test has been shown that it amps up stress hormones, it increases people's anxiety, it increases people's negative feelings. Researchers have used the TRIA test to test whether gratitude has an impact on our our ability to regulate all those kind of stress chemicals, all those anxieties that would be related with being in that experience. So they took in a group of people and they looked at the people who said they had a habit of expressing daily gratitude and compared their blood pressure and their stress chemicals to the rest of the group. And what they found was throughout the experiment, throughout the stress test they had lower blood pressure, and this is gonna lead to less wear and tear on their cardiovascular system, their heart and their lungs. It's also been shown that having gratitude literally decreased the stress chemicals going through their body.
1: So what we're actually saying here is that gratitude can help people to feel calmer and calm people are generally more resilient and more able to cope with failure. And just as a side note, I have practiced gratitude over the years. I have tried to do this and I think it can be helpful to have a cue time when you do it. So maybe just before you go to bed, have a little look back on the day and think about what's gone well that day. What we tend to do as humans is get into bed and mull over all the things that have gone wrong or mistakes that we might have made. So this is a great way to combat that. In schools, I've seen some lovely activities involving gratitude with the children. One classroom I saw had a little gratitude jar and slips of paper. And each time a child felt grateful for something or expressed gratitude, they would just pop down on that little slip of paper what it was that they were grateful for. And that went into the jar. And then periodically, the teacher just sat down with the class and pulled out of the jar slips of paper. Didn't say the children's names. It was all anonymous, but just drew attention to positives. So even when we are having a hard time, it can be very useful and beneficial to draw attention to the positives.
0: I think what's lovely about having that jar or that journal as well is it gives you a bank of evidence you can look over. And when things are bad, you can actually flip back and see actually lots of small things have happened that I can be grateful for. So to conclude, we've
1: discovered that evidence around gratitude is positive, but mostly the effects
0: with adults have been studied. More research needs to be done on its effect on children to see if children respond the same way as adults do.
1: Anecdotally, people tell us the results are positive and we know many counsellors already recommend the use of gratitude
0: diaries with children of school age. So that's the pros and cons of the research around using gratitude diaries to increase resilience in kids. If you're interested in supporting children with their emotions, we've got a download called the SEN Handbook that can help. It can help you link behaviours you see in the classroom with possible underlying causes like autism or ADHD or attachment. Obviously, this is not about teachers trying to make a diagnosis. We're not qualified to do that, but it is about helping us link behaviours with possible causes so we can get early intervention in place and get the right agencies helping us as quickly as possible. It's a free download. Go to our website, beaconschoolsupport.co.uk, click on the free resources tab near the top and scroll down and you will see the SEN handbook. I'll also drop a direct link to the handbook in the show description.
1: And in the next episode, we're going to be talking to John Booth, who has a unique perspective as a parent. His son has a diagnosis of ADHD, and he himself received a diagnosis of ADHD late in life. He's going to give us a first-hand perspective of how that condition impacted on his schooling and how he felt about himself as a student. It's a really honest and raw interview, and you don't
0: want to miss it. So with that in mind, if you haven't done it already, open your podcast app now and hit the subscribe button. That's going to make sure each and every episode of School Behaviour Secrets arrives in your podcast app without you having to think about it so you never miss a thing.
1: Last of all then, if you've enjoyed today's episode and found it useful, please leave us an honest rating and review on Apple Podcasts. This makes a huge difference to us because the more ratings and reviews you give us, the more you're helping other podcast listeners find the show and join our family of listeners.
0: Thanks for listening to School Behaviour Secrets. We've been grateful to have you. See what I did there. Have a great week and we look forward to talking to you again in the next episode. Bye now. Bye now.